Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's look at some truth on healing here. Thank you, Father. I believe that we need as a church to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to healing and God's healing power. Not many churches teach on healing anymore. Not many people even believe it scripturally from the Word of God. But we do. I do not believe much of what we see going on in these incredible days is conducive to the health of the human being. I believe that there's Power, much power, financial power, power to control, power to manipulate, power to intimidate within the confines of our medical system, our insurance companies, and our pharmaceutical companies. And I know there are many good men and women that work in health care. I mean, sincerely, love God, love people. I mean, how could you not love people and go through what it takes to be a doctor or a nurse or some type of medical practitioner? You've got to love people to do it. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to want to see uh, the suffering delivered, the the hurting healed. I I believe that that, that true medicine comes from the heart of Jesus because he's the ultimate healer, amen? But in these days that we're entering into, We need to stay ahead of the curve in faith because many times we're going to have to totally rely on God's healing power. God's healing power. I I thank God for those that would research and do great research on things that would prevent, things that would cure. But my faith is in the Word to keep me healthy, to bless me, amen, and to help me navigate medically through everything that's going on, which means if I'm attacked with something, I'm still able to pray to find out God's path to healing for me. If I have to utilize the services of medicine, that's fine. But I'll tell you one thing. I believe in the days ahead as different because the Bible speaks of different pandemics coming upon, not just one, but many coming upon the earth. And as they do, I believe God's grace for healing will increase more and more for those that will believe. And not just those that believe, but those that will minister it to other people. That needs to be the reputation of the church. You go there, you can get healed. Amen. I mean, you know, they may be a little crazy, a little, they may run, jump, but I tell you, you go there, they get healed. There was a, a man in the, here, in, here in town who was, who was uh, very sick, got very ill, and he was, he, he was in his 70s. And someone I know doesn't even go to this church, but someone I know went over there because this man was telling me this. He went over there and he said, you need to go to that church over there where Gerland used to be because those people pray for the sick and when they pray for the sick, they get healed. This guy was telling me that. I said, well, praise God, you should have came. Amen. So here in 2 Kings chapter 5 is the story of a man named Naaman. He was a a mighty man. He was a general. He He held rank. He held authority. But the Bible says he was a leper. Now, not only, you know, back in those days, those were ancient days, and, and people didn't know near as much about 
leprosy or other diseases as they know today. Two things were unique to the disease of leprosy in that day. Number one, people thought it was highly contagious, which they've proven that actually leprosy and one form dry leprosy itself is not contagious at all. It's hereditary. But then secondly, they believed if you had lepr leprosy, it was a curse from the gods. The, God, the gods, you know, those that didn't believe in Jehovah God, they believed that God had cursed you and that's why you had that leprosy. Well, here Naaman, for all of his, for all of his fame and fortune, ended up a leper. Now, they had been raiding Israel, had been raiding the, the, the God's people, and they brought away captives and slaves, made them slaves in their household. And thank God for people, even when they're in bondage, they still witness. Amen. And so a little maid uh, began to talk about how there's a prophet over in Israel that can get you healed. Now, I think automatically in Naaman, faith came to his heart. He acted on that. He went to his own king. His king wrote a letter to the king of Israel. King of Israel thought that the king of Syria was trying to pick a fight with him. But in actually, it was just Naaman trying to get healed. So Naaman ended up going down to Elisha's house in order to get healed. So let's pick that up there in verse, pick it up there in verse 9. And so Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Can you imagine what that looked like? Here's all these, these, this is, these are soldiers. These are the cavalry. Amen. This is, these are the guys on horseback who are mighty warriors, proven in battle, and his servants with him, and there they sit at the door of Elisha. Kind of intimidating, amen. You know, who is your God? You going to get me healed or what? But now notice this. Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come unto thee again, or shall come unto thee, and thou shalt be clean, healed of leprosy. Pretty, pretty simple. Pretty plain. Jordan River, seven times. Not five, not three, not eight, not ten, just seven times. Now, you'd think right there, how many of you, if you were ministered to like that, would receive that and say, praise God, I've got my healing. I'm heading for the Jordan. See you later. I mean, we would because we're taught of the Word. We know what the Word says. But he wasn't taught of the Word. He was actually a heathen man is what he was. And so he's instructed by the man of God. First thing, the man of God didn't even come out. He's like sitting on the couch eating a sandwich. And he says, I go tell that guy to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Amen. And so out comes this messenger and stands. And there's this name and this general and all this Calvary. And he says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now his reaction is what we need to see. We need to look at his reaction because many times it's in the simplicity of obedience to God. The issue of this entire story is really not leprosy or Syria our generals, our kings, the issue is obedience. Sometimes it's just simple obedience. That's all it is, simple obedience. Now notice his response. He says, but Naaman was wroth. That's mad. He's upset. I can see him sitting on his horse, his face turning red, thinking, who do these people think they are? 
Now, I've gone to all this trouble to end up at this guy's house. He doesn't even come out and greet me with a hello, shake my hand. He sends out the butler who gives me some strange word to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Automatically, now listen to me, automatically the intellect of Naaman begins to complicate the situation. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Automatically, the intellect of Naaman begins to complicate the situation. And we, and we have documentation of his thinking. Now notice, notice. Naaman got mad. He went away. And he said, so he's expressing what he's thinking. Behold, here we go, I thought. <laughs> I'm telling you, the I thoughts can rob you every time. I thought, in the prayer lines many times, I thought I would feel something. I thought I would see something. I thought I would fall down on the ground. We instruct our ushers to hold you up. You know, several times in our field ministry, I've had people that I, and I always, uh, it took me a couple of years to figure it out, but the anointing would be real strong in an altar service, and I'd walk up to lay hands on somebody, and before I got my hand on them, they'd hit the floor. And everybody'd go, ooh. Well, I figured out real quick that wasn't God. That wasn't God. Because the Bible says to lay hands. So I, when that began to happen, I began to tell the stand them back up. And, and if they were all like this, I'd wait a minute. And I'd, and I'd kind of get them back into the right mind. Amen. Because what, what, what happened was, is something emotional was taking place. And so I, I'd let them kind of come to themselves. Then I'd minister to them. And it's amazing how many of them just received simple healing. Just simple laying on of hands by faith healing into their body, symptoms leave. That simple. That simple. Everybody say that simple. Naaman's mad. Now he's, he's all wrapped up in thinking. I thought he will surely come out to me. He will stand and call on the name of his Lord God. Lord is God. Strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So he had already fought this out. He had it all. He had it all. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'm a Bible school student. It's right before our November Thanksgiving conference at Lakewood. Every altar service for healing, there were, you know, you, Ted and Ella remember those days, there'd be 200 people up there. And usually Pastor Doty and a couple of helpers would pray for all of them. And it was a task. It was a chore. And, you know, you had to be aware of people's time. You couldn't take a lot of time. Well, I'm sitting up on the front row. And Pastor Doty, she steps through the line and she says, Rusty, come up here. You're going to be doing this the rest of your life. So I remember, man, I was so excited. 5,000 people were watching me. And I walked through that line and turned around to lay hands on somebody and they were going like this. They didn't come to Lakewood Church to have a Bible school student lay hands on them. And as I went down that line laying hands on people, there wasn't many people receiving that night from me. I could tell. They wanted the woman of God. They wanted the man of God. See, they had it all figured out in their mind how it was going to happen. See how your mind can rob you. The I thoughts can rob you of the virtue and the power of God flowing in your life, removing sickness and disease. I thought. I thought. Not only that. Not only does he think. Now listen, he, he takes it another step. 
Naaman was mad. He went away. He said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. Stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Strike his hand. Lay hands upon me. Recover the leper. Are not the Abarnai and Fafar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Not only did he have his own plan, but then when the word was given him on what to do, he came up with an alternate plan. I got some better rivers. Where Elisha was and where the Jordan was at that time of the year was known. The Jordan was very muddy because it was a time of the year in which the rains came, rains came and the runoff went into the river and made it very dirty. Why do I got to go that dirty river? Notice he used the word better. Aren't, aren't there better rivers around here? So he is questioning everything God said to do. Where all he had to do was go down to the Jordan and dip in the river seven times. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Now, notice this. I think this is really cool. Are not the Abana and Fafar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So after he comes up with the alternate, alternative plan, he went away in a rage. Now, if you study that word, it actually means a demonstration of anger. That means he's throwing things. He's kicking things. Everybody around him is kind of backing up going, whoa. I knew I shouldn't have went on this trip. Amen. He's in a rage now. Now, notice this. It says, and his servants came near. Thank God for the servants of the body of Christ. The Holy Ghost, Jesus, the ministry gifts, people that will speak life into your life, healing into your sick body. You say what? They are trying to help you receive from God. So here came these servants. They came near and spake unto him, said, A father, if the prophet had been thee, had bid thee to do some great thing. Wouldst thou not have done it? Now, now let, me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you one thing that never receives from God. You know the one thing that never receives from God? Never, never. Pride. Pride's one of those seven deadlies. And you do not approach God with pride. What does He manifest? He's, he's manifesting pride. I know nothing about God. I know nothing about healing. I know nothing about Elijah. I know nothing about the Hebrew covenant. I know nothing about it. But here I am making up the rules. <laughs> That's pride, amen. So these servants spoke to him, and thank God, I believe it was the Spirit of God on them that helped them to phrase this in such a way that he was able to see himself as a great resistor of the very thing that God was trying to use to help him. Did you know in every one of us, once we get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, if one day we're going to be in heaven, or maybe it'll be in the thousand-year millennial on the earth, and God is going to let us see how resist, even, oh, we're great people of faith, and Pastor Rush, Rush he teaches on faith, and we know how to receive from God, but we're going to see how really resistant we were to the greater things of that which God wanted to do in our hearts and lives. Amen. And right here, I like, kind of like the prodigal son, you know what happened? He came to himself. 
Now look at, look at how simple. Let's go all, all the way back. This is how simple it is. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. Nobody took any offerings. Nobody sang no special music. We didn't have to schedule 15 days of meetings. Just dip in the Jordan seven times. Pretty simple. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Could you imagine when he came up out of that river that seven times and began to look, and those lesions were not on his arms anymore? And maybe one of his fellow soldiers looked at him and said, Naaman, your face. What about my face? It's clear. There's no lesion on your forehead or your cheek. And he began to check his body. He began to look. And he had the flesh of a child. He'd been totally healed. Now listen. Naaman had no covenant with God. you got to think about this. No Savior had been striped for his healing. Are you with me? There had been no blood shed or offered on, on his behalf. All it was, was God said through a prophet and his obedience. That's it. And he ended up healed of a, of a major disease. So why many times does it seem so hard, so difficult? It's because of the I thoughts. It's because of the alternate plans. And it's because we just don't do the very simple thing that we need to do to be healed. Now, I don't want to get into, because our time is short, and, you know, we want to be aware of your time. Healing should never be something you're trying to get. That's one of the problems with healing, is when people get their, they get, when they get sick, they see themselves without it. Let me say that again. Pain comes into your body. Symptoms come into your body. And you think that healing is not present, that it has left you, that it is not there. But listen, healing is not something that we are trying to grasp and pull into our lives. Healing is something that God has given us and placed in the identity of the new creature where we are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed of God using the Word of God to fight off every symptom of sickness, disease, infirmity, and pain. And if you ever have the thought when symptoms attack your body that I'm not healed, you're having the wrong thought. And it will rob you and open the door to alternative plans. may make you mad may upset you. Amen. I've had several times in my life where I was fighting symptoms in my body. And I, I wanted to be ministered to. I wanted hands laid upon me. I, I had been healed of a, a condition in my, in my throat that just messed my sinuses up. And I preached a lot. I mean a lot. Doing 300 meetings a year, that's a lot of speaking. 
And Brother Hagen ministered to me. Kenneth E. Hagen ministered to me. And I was instantly healed. I hadn't had any symptoms like that since then. But then there was another time I was sitting in one of his Holy Ghost meetings. And he called for a line to come and to be healed, to have hands laid upon him. And I could see that powerful gift working in his, in his ministry. And I even was pushing up on my seat to go. And God said, you can't go. And I'm like, he said, no, you can't go. He said, you can't go. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't go? He said, you can't go. You have to contend yourself. Use your own faith. And he said this to me. I'll never forget sitting there in, the, in, in, in that meeting. He said this to me. He said, your faith is not to go up in the line. Your faith is to stay in your seat and just believe you're healed. Brother Hagen tells the story of a, of, a, of a lady whose son graduated from law school. And after his graduation from law school, his physical symptoms manifested in such a way that they were very alarmed. They took him to the doctor and sure enough, the worst of reports, terminal stage four cancer not only in his liver, mastating into other organs of his body, no hope. And so instead of taking treatment, back in those days, Brother Hagen was conducting what was called healing school every day on the campus of Raymond. I think it's still going on there. They're still doing it to this day. And so this, this mother brought her son and he sat there for a week in healing school. And at the end of the week, Brother Hagen called for people to come have hands laid upon him. Explain that gift that worked in his hands, that Jesus touched his hands. I've seen that work, gift work many times. And so she elbowed her son, said, son, let's go up. He said, no. She said, what? He said, she, he said no, I don't need to go up there. And she said, well, why aren't you going up there? He said, didn't you hear the man? Didn't you hear the man? He said, I'm already healed. Why do I need to go up there and have hands laid on me? I think it was two to three weeks later they got the report back at Raymond that he had gone to the doctor and they couldn't find any cancer in his body whatsoever. That's how faith operates. That's how faith operates. So don't be like Naaman. He did get healed. Amen. But man, he fought it. And it's amazing how people fight the very thing that God tries to bless them with. It's amazing. A deal that, something that just, it broke my heart because a person that was involved in it was close, somebody that we'd worked with in ministry. They had gotten very sick. The Lord spoke to me. He said, go out there, speak three, time, three nights in a row on miracles. Just on miracles. So I dug into the Word. Man, I got me three messages on miracles. And that last night, the glory of God fell in that place. And there was a woman that had been a cripple for, what was it, ten, five or ten years. One of them was in West Columbia. This one, this one was in Wyna. I think she had been a cripple for ten years in a terrible accident that had crippled her. And she got up and began to run and shout, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Well, that inspiration just ran through the crowd just went through the crowd and the tangible anointing for miracles were there and I'm telling you they were there for this man and I'll never forget how he began to push himself up in his chair 
I mean, he couldn't even walk. He was push, push himself up, and he got about three quarters of the way up, and he just let go and dropped back into the chair with this, this kind of a thud. And, a, <sighs> and the Spirit of God said he'll be dead in a month. The, the power of God was present to heal. But see, here's what we, we hear stories like that. And we say, oh, if the glory of God would be like that, then, then oh, I'd receive. No, no. That same glory that was in that meeting is in you at all times, ever present in you. And it's when you act upon it, when you stand in faith, you worship God, thanking God, Lord, I'm not trying to get something from you. You've given me healing as part of my identity. I am the healed of God. And the scriptures and the words, all that God gives us, only empowers you to receive even better. I believe with all my heart as believers we should live out our years and not die sick and not die infirm like the world does but make our own decision on when to step off of this planet and enter into the glory of God. I don't know if everybody will rise to that standard. I'm going to do my best because I'd rather shoot high and miss a little bit than not shoot at all. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're... Because many people, what happens, it's amazing how many temporal things are healed instantaneously through ministry, words of knowledge, laying on of hands, gifts of the Spirit in operation. But then other things linger in people's body, setting up residence, diabetes, arthritis, high blood pressure, heart disease, things like that, 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 that do their best to set up a resident in the believer. You have to take medication. I know the diabetic has to take insulin, blood pressure, pressure medicine for those that have blood pressure problems. And many times are resistant to that, seems to be weak because of the manifestation of the physical symptom being so strong. I mean, you go without your insulin for too long and there'll be strong manifestations of your disease. Same thing with your blood pressure medicine. Same thing with your arthritis medicine and other disease and maladies that are unique to the human experience. But there is a stronger reality. Thank God for the medication. It'll keep you alive till a miracle takes place. But if you will make a decision, I am healed. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to play out. I know I am healed though. And every time I have to take insulin or blood pressure medicine or arthritis medicine or any other kind of I am one dose closer to never having to take it again. Speak that. Thank God for that. Worship that and tell yourself, I am the healed of God. Let it become your identity. Instead of trying to receive something that you think you don't have. Healing is yours. Let me say that again. Healing is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody stand if you will. Stand if you will. Come forward, Leah, if you will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just grab them all. Well, that's a bunch of them right there. Not all of them. This is enough. Hallelujah. I'm going to get some of our 
Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Brian and Tracy, would you come, if you will? Glory to God. Let me look around. Praise God. Vast binders, y'all come. Praise God. And, and uh, come on, you two. Glory to God. These are people that have been praying with me for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and Pam and Sam, come on, Pam and Sam. Glory to God. Praise God. I'm looking for, uh, 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 uh. yeah. Selena, where are you, Selena? She's been praying with us. Come on, Selena. I know others of you have too. I'm just, these are the ones who, that are just coming to my mind. Praise God. As I can't get everybody up. I want everybody to come here. Lay their hands. Everybody lay their hands on these right here. Come on, right on top of mine. Lay your hands. Lay your hands. Now, Father, according to your word, we see that anointing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They touched the hem of his garment. Many that touched him were healed, says in Mark chapter 3. Acts chapter 19, we see that as Paul taught the word of God, the anointing went into aprons and cloths and napkins. And when laid on the sick infirmed and demon possessed, they were healed of God. Healed of God. So we lay hands on these tonight. And we declare every person that picks one up by faith for themselves or for a loved one, that that anointing, that power, that grace goes into these. Saturate these cloths. Saturate them with the anointing. For the anointing breaks the yoke. And we declare in the name of Jesus that every person that takes one of these cloths will receive from God. Our faith is not in the cloth. Our faith is in God and His power and His anointing. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now worship God and thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The anointing breaks the yoke. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Isn't God good? Praise God, praise God. If you need one of these after the service, you can come pick one up. Amen? Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. In your Bibles, if you will, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Everybody, I know a few others have come in since we asked. Everybody have a little cup with a wafer on the top. Everybody good? If you don't, raise your hand right now. Usher will bring you one quickly. Everybody's got one. Good, good. Praise God. Now I chose... Two portions of scripture. We still got about 1,200 minutes. <laughs> Let me read here in the Passion Bible, Matthew 26. Verse 26 of Matthew 26. As they ate, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said to them, This is my body, eat it. Then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he entered into covenant with them saying, This is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant. 
it will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sin. We know that's the remission of sin, the eradication and removal. The next time we drink this, I will be with you and we'll drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of my Father. Then they sang a song and they left for the Mount of Olives. Now, Jesus had made his declaration of this new covenant that was coming. He had given instruction to them. Then he invites them on what I call and what I view in the Word of God as the most important prayer meeting to ever happen on the planet. Jesus going to, going to the garden to pray. Pick it up in verse 36. He says, Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took Peter, James, and John, went with them. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. He said unto them, My heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Actually, in the King James, says, pray with me. He walked a short distance. Short distance away. And overcome with grief, threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My Father, my Father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important, for I, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Now I want to read this commentary. I think this is really interesting. It says Jesus was not asking the Father for a way around the cross. Rather, he was asking God to keep him alive through the night of suffering so that he could carry the cross and take away our sins. According to the prophecies of the Old Testament, Jesus was to be pierced on the cross. We learn from Hebrews 5, 7 that Jesus' prayer was answered that night as the cup was indeed taken from him. An angel of God came to strengthen him and to deliver him from premature death. The cup he was asking God to pass from was the cup of premature death that Satan was trying to make him drink in the garden, not the death he would experience the next day on the cross. He had already sweat, drops of blood. But the prophecies had to be fulfilled that being pierced on a cross for our righteousness, Jesus answered his cry and he lived through the agony of Gethsemane so that we, so that he could be our sacrifice for sin on Calvary. Jesus did not waver in the garden. I like this last phrase. We have a brave Savior. Wow. For many years, I always thought he was praying about the encompassing will of God. Then I got in here and started studying this. I looked at some other references, and when he began to pray in that garden, Satan tried to kill him. You say, why would he do that? He knew what he was fixing to do. 
He knew he was fixing to be wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, that the chastisement of our peace was going to be on him. He knew that he was going to take stripes upon his back. But the point I wanted to make is he invited people to follow. And they didn't follow. And because they didn't follow, they rejected him when he needed them the most. Now, with that in mind, that one principle in mind, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Speaking again of the ordinance of communion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What is that? Verse 21. Paul writes, I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was betrayed or handed over, he took bread. He gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with the cup of wine after the supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. For this reason, whoever drinks the bread and drink, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in a, with a wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude. Only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even die. If you do not sit in judgment of others, you will avoid judgment yourself. But when we are judged, it is the Lord's training so that we will not be condemned along with this world. An inability to judge what was happening in the garden produced Peter's denial and the scattering of the sheep. We have to follow Jesus. Now I, tonight, it, with this particular teaching that we're using, which I coupled with by the Holy Ghost through prayer with Naaman, is that as a body, as a church, we have to follow Jesus so closely. There's going to be times, there already has been times, in which ordinances and edicts of the world will tell us we cannot be nor do who we are. Thank God that church in California won their lawsuit. I think that's a tremendous breakthrough because of prayer. But the most intimidating entity on the earth to the world system and all that it's doing is us. People that are full of God, full of the Spirit of God. And I got good news. Jesus is moving. I said, He's moving. I said, He's moving. And as He moves, we must judge ourselves to stay pure, walk in love one toward another. We must follow Him 
as he moves. We must cleanse ourselves of any kind of resistance and submit ourselves to the Lord so we can resist anything of the devil and it'll have to flee from us. Amen? And when you do not, what happens? Begin to backbite, criticize, begin to resist. Paul said this. Must have been going on in the Corinthian church. Many of you are sick because of this right here. It's not a pandemic. It's not some new disease that's come on the earth. You have not correctly discerned the body of Christ. Amen? Now, let me say this. Not, nothing's going on. Nobody's doing anything. But let me say this. Don't punish Jesus. People say, what do you mean by that? Don't punish him. He's already been punished by the devil, by the world, by, by, by those that have rejected him. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't punish Jesus by how you react to your church. Because we are the body of Christ in the earth. When, G, when, when, Paul, when Saul of Tarsus, who God used to wrote this, was struck down on the road to Damascus, Jesus, when he said, Lord, who art thou? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Jesus saw himself as the church. And so many people get offended, get mad, get upset. So many reasons. Listen, this world system has made life so complicated, the last place it needs to be complicated is in the church. As we do life together, it needs to be simple and easy and by faith and with joy. And every time we gather together, we have to see this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is, here he is. You want to see Jesus? Here he is right here. In every face, in every life, in every person. So when we come to church, we hear the word, we, 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 we give, we worship, we pray, we intercede. We're doing our best to follow him. We're staying close to him. You say, why? Because as he moved, see, he was moving. He moved into the garden. He moved toward the cross. He moved into the tomb, and he moved out of the tomb. And he moved to the, to the right hand of the Father. And he's been sitting there ever since seated at the right hand of the Father as our advocate, as our intercessor, as the procure of the new covenant. But now he's moving again. You say, you think he's really, he's moving again. You say, what's he doing? He's getting ready to come back to the earth. Not just the second coming, but the rapture of the church when we'll meet him in the clouds. So now that he's moving, what do we have to do? We have to pray, we have to stay sensitive, and we got to stay right on his heels. You going this way, Jesus? Okay, this is what's what's how you going this way? Okay, okay. You're rejecting that? Well, we'll reject it too. You reject this? We'll reject it too. How can we have confidence? How can we have faith? Because He is our shepherd. We are His sheep. We know His voice. And another we will not follow. This will save our life in the last of the last days. Hallelujah. Take your your little cup there and pull that top I got the bottom one too pull the top one off there thank you Jesus thank you Lord God thank you Father take the bread if you will there we go hallelujah now 
the broken body. Oh, my goodness. Unimaginable. Unimaginable. The pain he must have suffered just in that garden. The Bible talks about him sweating great drops of blood. And I read, read a physician's report one time of the stress that would cause that. It's off the scale. Incredible stress upon the human body. Demon powers. Death itself trying to get a hold. But he was willing to endure it. He was willing to endure that beating with a cat of nine tails. He was willing to endure the nails in his hand and in his feet. He was willing to endure the mocking and the spitting and the pulling of his beard. He was willing to endure it so that we might stand in the church today and be free, be forgiven. So in great honor of that which the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on our behalf, take the bread and break it and receive it in Jesus' name. Myself, I don't like to bleed. I don't know about you, but I've had more stitches in my body than I ever want. And I've done me some bleeding. Amen. And I've had places stitched up on me, and I've bled a bunch of blood and seen it there and thought, oh my God, that all came out of me. To shed blood is an awesome thing. It's, it's a traumatizing traumatizing and could you imagine how much blood actually flowed out of Jesus' body I mean just a small laceration on your arm if not attended to quickly because we know we have the coagulation of the blood all that takes place for the, your body itself doing its best to stop bleeding but you hit an artery or a vein or some major vessel. And that's what happens. A lot of people just bleed out real quick. Major wounds in war, many times soldiers will bleed out. before, If they could get to them and get the wound taken care of, they could, they could, be, they could be helped and they wouldn't die. But because of a lack of a, of a mass unit or a medic that knew what he was doing, soldiers would just bleed out from being hit in the leg. Many times it would be in the leg that would, would, would destroy or hurt the uh, the, the armor, uh, the artery that's in the leg. Femoral artery, is that what they call it? Just bleed out. But see, Jesus started bleeding in the garden. Seven times he bled. Seven times. Number one, he bled in the garden. Number two, as they punched him, said, prophesy, tell us who did it. He began to be very bruised. That's inward bleeding. Then they took a horrible whip. I mean, one, not, not some bullwhip like you see on a western. No, I'm talking about nine long strands of leather with bone and glass and metal weaved into the end in which they would literally wrap around him and then pull and it would rip, literally rip the skin off the back. You can imagine as he felt that warm blood run down the back of his legs what that must have been like. He was paying for your healing. Then they put nails in his hands. And they put them in his feet. The blood ran out of his feet. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. The blood ran down his brow into his eyes. Then the last 
thing they did was to take a spear right up under the last rib and run it up into the sack of the heart, breaking the heart and the water that holds it. And out of the side of Jesus gushed blood and water. Seven times he shed his blood. But then he took that blood and he walked into the holiest of holies. And where the cherubim stand over that holy of holies, where God sits on the throne, Jesus took that blood that he shed and he offered it one time as an eternal sacrifice for us. I do not understand how some of these mega churches and preachers that know so much have taken the element of the blood out of the gospel when that was the redeeming sacrifice in great honor of the blood and what it gives us and what it continually gives us partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you. We glorify your name. I thank you, Father, as we have received communion correctly tonight. We've not done it with the wrong spirit. We've not done it with the wrong heart or attitude. We've done it to be put in remembrance of you. And because of that, we appropriate in this sanctuary tonight that which has already been given to us by Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our healer. We speak to every lingering disease, every chronic condition, that has set up resident in the bodies of men and women in this auditorium right now. And we say to you, you have no right, you have no right, you have no right to exist in our bodies. And by the authority in the name of Jesus, we evict you and command you to leave. And we thank our Heavenly Father that that which He created us to be, which is the healed of God, manifests in every organ, in every gland, in our blood, in our bones, in the marrow of our bones. And Lord, as you showed me in the Spirit, down to the cellular level, God's healing virtue inherent in our bodies activated by the knowledge of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Be thou healed in Jesus' name. Be thou healed in Jesus' name. Be thou healed as a testimony to the glory and the majesty of our risen Savior and healer. Hallelujah. One more time, give him thanks for your healer. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Now, we need to do one more thing as a church. I've seen this in the spirit. We've also heard testimony to it. And I, I, I have great compassion for people that are like this. But we need this to break. There are people that love our church that are watching us constantly on the, on the internet and, and I trust they're watching tonight. But they're afraid to come. They are. They're afraid to come. They're afraid of the coronavirus. They're afraid if they come to church there's a possibility they might get it. Well, when have we ever acted like that with any other disease or infirmity or flu or anything like that? Amen? I was listening to a deal today about Hawaii. Oh my God, how few cases, how few deaths. And since the beginning of the coronavirus, the flu deaths outnumber the, the, the corona deaths almost 100 to 1. Amazing. But the whole, whole state's just locked down. Can't do anything. You can't even go there on vacation. What are they going to do? They're four and five months into nobody in the hotels, nobody at the beaches. Nobody renting snorkel gear or going on, on sunset cruises. Their whole society is dependent on people coming over there and enjoying paradise. And the devil has shut it all down. I'm believing God people are going to rise up and pray and break that thing. But here in Galveston, let me just say this. So well, I heard somebody tested positive at Island Church for Corona. Who cares? Does that really alarm you? Is it such a big, bad disease that even Jesus bows at its feet? Come on, church. So we're going to pray over every person that has fear of that virus. Because listen, what are you going to do? You're going to become a hermit? Never go anywhere? Never do anything because you're afraid you might get sick? When has that mentality captivated the world and captivated the church. Many of the denominational churches won't even meet. I talked to somebody the other day. They said, I saw a bunch of cars in your parking lot. Are y'all having service? I said, we've been having service for months. He said, my wife's church puts out constant reminders that they don't want anybody coming to their church because they're afraid they might get corona. Father, right now, in agreement to your word. You said you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And we speak in the name of Jesus to all of our wonderful brothers and sisters who we miss. And we say, be delivered from fear of coming to the house of God because of some silly little disease. Be delivered from that. Devil, get your hands off of their minds. Take your fear and go. I bind every thought, every idea, everything in their minds that intimidates them, manipulates them, controls them. We release them from that. And we call them back to their place in the house of God. Lord, we pray Wednesday night, next Sunday, restoration. Restoration, restoring of many of our families that just by fear 
have stopped worshiping God with their church family. It's not the same on the internet. It's not the same to listen to a CD. It's not the same. It takes faith to come to church now. And you have that faith. You have that faith. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you. Good. Father, we thank you tonight for your wonderful presence and anointing. As we leave tonight, as is our tradition, we appropriate the power of your word, your mighty word of power. Thanking you no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In our travels and the righteous labor of our hands, we are the protected of God. Devil, we speak to you. Demon powers, we address you. And we say the blood of Jesus is against you. We thank you, Father. No plans of evil men. No wicked devices of demon powers or Satan himself shall come nigh us. We abide under that umbrella of protection. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father, under the mighty shadow of the cherubims that overshadow the mercy seat. We find our existence in Jesus' name. Let that door of utterance be opened wider than ever before. Let us be strong witnesses of the goodness, the glory, and the power of God. Bring us back together tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, as we celebrate the stirring of the Spirit of God in our midst and begin to walk in the answers provided through weeks of intercession. Thank you, Father, for your love toward us, that you love us and care for us so much. Your compassion toward your children is such an awesome thing. Thank you, Father, for our church as we walk in love one toward another, believe in God for the dreams of God to manifest in and through our lives. Thank you that we are the ambassadors of Christ you have called us to be and that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood. Come on, say that. Covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.